Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today, we continue our Lenten sermon series, Easter in the First Person. How did the events of Holy Week and Easter look to those who were there? Today, we hear the story of Simon Peter, the fisherman. Join us now for the message, I am a rock. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. Okay. So this is cool. We haven't had this many people in here in a long time. I'm seeing a lot of faces that I haven't seen in months or longer than that, which is cool. So good morning. Uh, Welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Obviously, I am not Jane Grainer. Uh, My name is Wesley McCall. I'm the music director here. Jane would have been back this week, but uh, she went to California on a trip, came back and tested positive for COVID. So that means you're stuck with me and I'm sorry. Uh, She is exhibiting no symptoms. She's feeling fine, but this is out of an abundance of caution and she should be back next week. She's watching from home, which means that I have to be on my best behavior. Uh, And some of you know that that's really, really hard for me. So... Uh, She'll be back next week to celebrate Palm Sunday with us, okay? Question, how do you make up for denying Jesus? How do you come back from the worst thing that you've ever done? Well, we will explore that later in the service. Our scripture readings this morning come from the Gospel of Luke, beginning in chapter 5. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Put out deep into the water and let down your nets.'" For a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. From Luke chapter 22, beginning in the 31st verse. Simon, Simon, listen, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied me three times that you know me. From verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, 
This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you were talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Sometimes when I'm by myself in my boat, I sail out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. There it is calm and peaceful, and the waves gently rock me with the comfort of a mother. And I remember, I remember how I have sailed this sea for as long as I can remember. I'm a fisherman. My father was a fisherman. My grandfather was a fisherman. Generations of my family have fished these waters from our home village of Capernaum. My name is Simon, but over the years I've come to be known as Peter. I seldom get back to Capernaum anymore. My life's work keeps me away for years at a time. When I do go home, my old mother-in-law always scolds me that it has been too long. But she and my family, they understand why. You see, it all began in Capernaum. So many years ago, there was a time when I assumed fishing the Sea of Galilee would always be my life's work. But that was before he moved to town. He was known as Jesus of Nazareth, but Nazareth, Nazareth had thrown him out. After receiving his call from God, Jesus had returned to his hometown, but he managed to anger the people who had known him all his life. So he drifted until he came to Capernaum. And I guess I de he decided to stay once I offered him free room and board. I had first seen him at the synagogue. He came to read from one of the scrolls and teach the people. As he was reading, one of the men of our town, Hezekiah, yelled out, Let us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Hezekiah was always yelling out strange things. He often walked around Capernaum in ragged clothes, begging for handouts. Everyone said that he had a demon. Jesus looked straight at him and said, Be silent and come out of him. Hezekiah shrieked. He fell to the ground and he started shaking uncontrollably. He let out one last scream and then he just lay there, completely still. Everyone thought he was dead. But then... Hezekiah sat up and he looked around. He got himself up and he sat down on one of the benches. Jesus ordered someone to get him some water. And Hezekiah sat there quietly for the rest of the synagogue service. That was the last time Hezekiah ever yelled out in synagogue. After that day and his encounter with Jesus, Hezekiah was never the same again. He started to bathe and wash his clothes. Some of the families in the village even started hiring him for odd jobs so that he didn't have to beg anymore. Everyone said that Jesus had healed him of his demon. I was so impressed with what I saw that day that I invited Jesus to my home for Sabbath dinner. Though I only intended to host Jesus for one meal, he ended up making himself quite at home. He ended up making it his actual home. But after that day, my mother-in-law insisted on it. 
When we got home, she was feeling ill. She was lying down in a back room. Jesus went to her and laid his hands upon her, and the fever left her immediately. After that, my mother-in-law adored him. I think she always felt Jesus would have made a better son-in-law than me. Jesus adored her right back. They always had a special relationship. I think Jesus really missed his own mother. It was a few days later that I truly got a sense of who Jesus was. I was exhausted after a long night of nothing. My brother Andrew and I had been fishing all night and had nothing to show for it. All I wanted to do now was finish washing my nets, go home, and go to bed. But then Jesus showed up, and he had this great crowd around him, everyone clamoring to touch him, to be healed by him. And now, after a hard night of no luck with the fishing, Jesus just invited himself into our boat and asked if I would row him out just a little away from the shore. The people had become so desperate to hear him that they were basically pushing him into the water. I realized what Jesus was trying to do. In the boat, he could create a bit of distance between himself and the crowd and give himself some room to breathe. The water would also act as a a natural sounding board, so now everyone could hear what he had to say. From the bow of my boat, he began to teach. I was now a captive audience. I have to admit, what Jesus had to say was mesmerizing, so full of wisdom and hope. But after a couple of hours, I was still exhausted and just ready to go home. It was then that Jesus had the nerve to ask me if I would row out even farther, out into deep water, and put down my nets for a catch. Well, by this point, I was getting pretty annoyed. Jesus was a carpenter, for crying out loud, not a fisherman like me. I had been fishing in these waters my entire life, just as my father and my grandfather had done. I knew every nook and cranny and every kind of fish that could be found here. I possessed a lifetime of experience telling me when and where to fish for the greatest effectiveness. Plus, I had also finished cleaning my nets, as every professional fisherman, not carpenter, would know to do before putting them up for the day. So now, here's this amateur telling me to dirty up my nets again for what seemed an awfully unlikely catch of fish. But, I reminded myself, Jesus had cured my mother-in-law, and he had this authority about him that made people look up to him and become willing to try whatever he said to do. So even though I was pretty exasperated, I replied, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. So I let down the nets, and we caught so many fish, the nets began to tear. I signaled our partners, the brothers James and John, they were on the shore, to bring their boat. But the catch of fish was so great that both of our boats began to sink. Now I was terrified. I thought I might drown. My boat was sinking. This was my most valuable possession, and on which my whole livelihood depended. And I was so confused as to how this carpenter from Nazareth had been able to miraculously lead us to so many fish. Somehow, we made it back to shore. And at that point, all my emotions began to overwhelm me, and I flung myself down at the knees of Jesus, and I exclaimed, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Everyone was amazed. We were all becoming increasingly frightened, but Jesus almost laughed as he pulled me up, and he said, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Well, from then on, my brother Andrew and I, 
our partners, James and John, as well as many others, became followers of Jesus. And we had no idea just how much this would change our lives from that moment forward. For now, we could not fathom all that we would gain from this decision, nor how much it would ultimately cost us. You see, that huge load of fish enabled us to have a little bit of extra money so that we could accompany Jesus as he toured through Galilee. Every place we went, crowds gathered, and the people were so hungry to hear words of hope. I was amazed at the way Jesus was able to heal people, body, mind, and soul. I became convinced that God must be with him. Once when Jesus had us all alone, he turned and asked us, who do people say that I am? Well, the others answered things like John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, but I began to think that's not right. Then I just blurted it out. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus was so happy. He exclaimed, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That was the day Jesus started calling me Peter. The name is based on the Greek word meaning rock, and in your language it would be like Jesus nicknaming me Rocky, which was really ironic because at times I felt like anything but a rock. Most of the time I felt more like one of those rootless waves that traverse the Sea of Galilee. Never was that more true than the night Jesus was arrested. We were in Jerusalem. We had gathered there for the Passover meal. It was a Thursday night. That night, he insisted on washing our feet, which just made me feel more like I did years ago on the Sea of Galilee. And I wanted to cry once more, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. After dinner, he passed a loaf of bread around and then a cup. He said things we would never understand until later. And then he said that one of us would betray him. This made me so angry. How could he say this after all we had been through together? He said that he had prayed for me and that after I have turned back, I should then turn and strengthen the others. But I shouted, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And he looked deeply into my eyes and said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. I just stood there dumbfounded, not even knowing how to respond. We then went to the Garden of Gethsemane, on the Mount of Olives, which looks out over the temple, and that's where it happened. An armed crowd suddenly appeared, and then Judas stepped forward. He was the traitor. He even had the gall to betray Jesus with a kiss. They arrested him, and they took him to the high priest's house. All the others ran away, but I was determined to stay faithful. I followed them all from a distance, and I slipped into the courtyard, hopefully... I would go unnoticed amongst all the people entering and leaving. It was a cold night, so a fire was kindled, and I inched my way forward toward the warmth. But I was careful to keep my head covered and my face down. 
Evidently not well enough, one of the servant girls spied me. She pointed her finger and said, this man was with them. I denied it, maybe a little too loudly, when I exclaimed, woman, I do not know him. I continued to keep my head down, straining to hear what was being said inside the house, but the others kept staring at me. And one man said, you are also one of them. Again, I hotly denied it. Man, I am not. An hour passed. The elders inside the house continued to pepper Jesus with questions. I could just barely see him if I kept my head cocked to one side. I was listening so intently that I must have lifted up my head without realizing it. It was then that one of the other men around the fire started to point at me, insisting that I was one of the followers of this arrested man. He wouldn't let up. He kept pointing at me and saying, Surely this man also was with them, for he is a Galilean. The more I denied it, the more my Galilean accent gave me away. I finally let out some of the coarser language that I usually reserve for other fishermen, and I shouted, Man, I do not know what you were talking about. But before the words were even out of my mouth, the cock crowed, signaling that it was midnight. Out of the corner of my eye, I could just see Jesus turn away from his accusers and look directly at me. Our eyes locked, and then I remembered, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. At that moment, it was like a sword had entered my chest and cleaved my heart. I gasped as if someone had punched me in the solar plexus. I fell to my knees in stunned disbelief that I could so easily have done what only hours ago I swore I would not do. I had to get out of there. So much shame overtook me that I could not bear for our eyes to meet once more. I ran out of the courtyard and down a dark alley, and it was there that I crumpled in the darkness and began to weep. Weep harder than I have ever wept in my life. Harder even than when my parents died. I don't know how long I was there. Even after I had cried out every last tear my eyes could muster, I just lay there, staring into the darkness. I finally got up and returned to the upper room where we had shared our last meal together just hours before. All the others were there, cowering in the darkness, flinching at every sound in abject fear that they would come for us next. So much happened over the next few days and weeks and months. That's a story for a different day. Despite all that happened, I could not forget the eyes of Jesus as he looked at me. Just at the moment, I had let him down the most. His eyes were so sad, yet so tender and filled with compassion. Later, as I looked back on that night, I felt such shame as I remembered how I had so arrogantly claimed that I would go to prison and even to death for him. But as time passed and I had further opportunity to contemplate all that had happened, I also remembered how that night Jesus said that he had prayed for me. He knew I would deny him, but he prayed for me anyway. He prayed that once I had turned back from my betrayal, I would use my experience to strengthen the other disciples. He had already forgiven me before I had ever even denied him. Who 
does that? Who cares more about the betrayer than the betrayed? Jesus does. That is the miracle of the Messiah. So many times I watched as Jesus healed bodies that were racked by disease and disformity. But even more impressive was the way he healed broken hearts and broken minds like mine. Denying him that night was the worst thing I have ever done in my life. But Jesus turned it into a story that brings hope and healing to others. You see, the reason the story of my denial is still told to this day is because over the many years since then, I have told it myself over and over again. I wanted people to know that no matter what, no matter what they have done, no matter how much shame and guilt they carry, God can turn it into something that brings light and life. God can take your worst nightmare and wake you up to new life for both yourself and for others. I encourage you to consider the worst mistake of your life. It could have been something that you did or something you left undone. Then imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus. See there the compassion and the forgiveness. Then feel the strength to turn your worst into something through which God can bring grace to others. Your wounds, whether they are self-inflicted or placed there by others, these wounds can be the story God will use for good. And remember, you are worth so much more than the worst thing you've ever done. I still hear the cock crow whenever I'm in the city, but now instead of bringing back memories of shame and of guilt, it represents to me forgiveness and grace and resurrection. It brings to me the same feeling of calm that I get when I'm out alone on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus once filled up my empty nets, but he has since filled up my empty heart. Let him do the same for you. You just need to be willing to put the nets in the water and quit denying yourself the grace which is being offered to you. Amen. Amen. And now for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I want to remind you that recordings of our services can always be found on Facebook. They can also be found on our website, tumcd.org, and on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. You're always welcome to send us a message through any of those platforms for more information. And Jane also left a note here that she is open for contact anytime. Your action items for this week. Continue to pray for Trinity. Pray about how to turn your worst moments into God's best story. And keep up with whatever Lenten discipline you have chosen for yourself. Remember to like us on Facebook as well. Our word is getting spread to lots and lots of people, which is really cool. Now please receive this benediction. 
Go forth from this place with full nets and full hearts, ready to tell the story of God's grace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we continue our sermon series, Easter in the First Person. How did the events of Holy Week and Easter look to those who were there? Come hear the whole story. You will find recordings of all of our services on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, we are now worshiping both in person in our sanctuary as well as online. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church. Thank you.